0: We're going
1: to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, and with me, per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxime.
2: How's it going?
1: Maxime. I am excited to announce that rejoining us after what feels like decades, dude, hell of long, the former Golden State beat writer and sports director for SF Bay, where she covered all things Warriors for more than three years, the current Jazz beat writer and expert for the Deseret News, the host of the Unsalvageable podcast, and a good friend I haven't seen since I got fucking hammered with at the Athletic (laughs) Club a while back. Miss Sarah Todd, what's going on, Sarah?
0: It does feel like it's been so long. Like, I feel like I need to catch you up on my life. Like, I feel like I have went from being a young person to an old person. (laughs) since the last time that
1: we talked i mean i am excited for this podcast for so many reasons one yes we have not spoken at all i need to know what crazy surfaces you're using to take notes we need to catch (laughs) up with your life we have a million things two right before we actually hopped behind these microphones maxime and i received this text quote i haven't slept and i'm ready to fucking go then four fire emojis so who knows where this is going I, i am so excited to see where this lands And I desperately need some excitement and distraction because I don't know what the fuck to do with this warrior season, Sarah. And so we also need your warrior's knowledge. So it's all kind of coming together here.
0: I mean, I strongly suggest sleep deprivation for anyone who needs to like a little boost in their happiness, because like when you're delirious and delusional to the point where like you're just kind of giggling and shaking a little bit, it's great. So, like, nothing could bother me right now. Like, the house could be burning down. I'd be like, it's fine. It doesn't matter.
1: (laughs) I mean, you're talking to the right audience. I would imagine that Maxime hasn't had a lot of sleep either. Maxime is a new dad. So, I mean, you guys can, (laughs) uh, you guys can, like, you know, have hallucinations together at any point. Although, I don't like it when the guest really gets along with Maxime. So, if you could, like, hedge that a little bit, that'd also be great.
0: Don't worry, me and Maxine will not get along. Uh, yeah. hey, wink, wink, Are Maxine, we're good. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, we need to cut off Maxine's camera. It is what it is. I <laughs> uh, will share this with you, Sarah. So I mentioned it in the intro. You know, we did, we saw it. other It was way back in the pandemic, I believe. It's yeah. when things were loosening up a little bit, but it was still, um, you, know, it, when, of, you uh, know, when they
0: that. started putting uh, seating outside of restaurants, right? Yeah. Like they yeah. did this thing where it was like, oh, now we just sit outside. And so it was when they first started doing that in Oakland, because we met up outside.
1: A billion percent and Maxime, I'll I'll uh, bring you up to speed and then give you the portion of the story that Sarah hasn't heard either. So Sarah at that point was, I, it wasn't brand new, but they're in a fairly new relationship. Mm-hmm. A guy named Colin, I really liked him, it was an opportunity to meet him. And I get nervous with new people. And one of the things I do when I see new people is I over drink, you know, I never know what to like those awkward silences. I feel them by just like, you know, per- drinking. And I was like, well, I would be talking and saying something interesting, but I'm drinking. So I can't, you know? And so we we have a very enjoyable afternoon. I get fairly hammered and then we part ways. And I don't know where, where Sarah and Colin went, but I went to go see a movie. I saw one of the Fast and Furious over in Jack London. And because I already had a, a fairly good drunk going, I decided to stop by BevMo and get another drink there. And I'm by myself. Dude. I'm, I'm at this movie by myself, which I do frequently enough. And I go in and it's the fucking pandemic. So there's only one other person in the theater, but it's one of those things where you buy the tickets in advance and you pick out the seats, you know? So even though there's only two people in the theater, we are sitting next to one another and I'm fairly hammered. All right, so off it goes, movie starts. I have to take a piss because I've been drinking and I, I can't defend this, but get up and cross over the guy. I pass <laughs> over, all right? Finish, come back, you know, sit down. And again, because I've been drinking I have to piss a second time, get up to cross him a second time and the guy puts up his hand and goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's like, what's going on? Dude? <laughs> and it was a totally justifiable reaction. If yeah. that guy happens to be listening, I apologize. So I've been waiting, I don't know, two years to tell you that. And I kind of blame you and Colin. You <laughs> left me in that mental state and I completely embarrassed myself in front of the full cast of Fast and Furious.
0: Wait, who, who, who was the person that bought the second ticket? Because like you you select the ticket, the seat you're going to pick, right? Yeah. Yeah. So did you pick the seat right next to him or did he pick the seat right next to you? Oh,
1: no, I didn't know that person. This was a complete stranger. We didn't no, know. I know.
0: But like oh. when you, when you buy the ticket, it's like you select a seat. Oh, that's and a like, good question. It'll say yeah. you were Chances. too drunk.
1: Yeah. Chances are it was me. Chances are there was a giant red box right next to the green one that I hit. And I was just like, I got kind of confused and just fired it off. You know, (laughs) why didn't I just sit anywhere else when I came back from the bathroom? These are all questions we will never have answers to. (laughs) But all right. That in tow, I wanted to tell you that. Let's talk hoop. All right. And we're going to go into our glass half full. This is a new segment, but the concept's pretty easy. We look back at past basketball and we give something we like or don't like. I have a ton of Warrior stuff. But before we get there, let's use a glass half full to talk a little in-season tournament. All right. So, uh, Sarah, let's go to you. Something you like or don't about the in-season tournament.
0: Um, I love the, like, just the general idea of making the regular season more fun. I'm pro-fun. And so, yeah, try anything. Put a wacky cord out there. Uh, give them a bunch of money. I don't care what you do. Like, it, it has made the regular season more. Fun. I've never been excited like this for games in late November.
1: I uh, was watching the semis, and I forget who the announcer was. I feel like it was a coach. So Van Gundy is what, what comes right. to mind. I'm not positive, but what he said was that I can't remember ever seeing more competitive NBA basketball in November and December. And yeah, right. it
0: was it was Van Gundy, yeah. Yeah,
1: there you go. And I and like that in a nutshell. I mean, that's exactly what they were going for. You heard a million times in every season that yeah, well, NBA season doesn't really start till after Christmas, and they've seemingly fixed it. Uh, Maxine, what do you got, man? What do you think? Do you like it? Don't like it? What what sticks out?
2: Yeah, I like it too. And, and Sarah, as a as a fellow pro fun person, maybe we should toss out getting all the players super sleep deprived before these games yes. <laughs> to increase the fun factor. Um, I think that would be nice. Uh, one thing that I like, and and maybe this is a bit controversial, but now that we've seen them for a little bit, I like the different courts. I like how they sort of change up the atmosphere. You know, we got like eighty two games or whatever, seventy six games or something, where we're seeing regular hardwood courts. I think it's kind of fun. I think so far it's it's not surprising in retrospect, but I, I I didn't realize the degree to which you dangle any kind of carrot in front of the most ultra-competitive people in the world and they're going to go for it hardcore, right? It doesn't take that much um, to get these guys excited for games Then you had an amazing semifinals between the Suns and the Lakers. I mean, it doesn't take much. Maybe we find other opportunities in the future, but yeah, it's great. It's great to see everybody being competitive throughout a regular, a long regular season.
0: Well, and I'll say this, that... Uh, I'll... I wrote a long story about this, like digging into like how much the numbers actually mean to these guys, because there's a lot of people. It's like, Oh, 500,000. You give that to like a guy who makes 25 million or more. Like it doesn't really matter. Right. And it's like, no wrong because these guys know much, know how much is at stake during the playoffs. And the most money that you can win through a playout run is if you're the top seed uh, in the NBA. Like if you have the best record, you make it through every round and then you win the finals. And for example the Denver Nuggets did it last year. Yeah. And what that came out to at the playoff pool was about 470,000 oh. per player, Whoa. which is less than what you make if you win the in-season tournament. And that is before you buy championship rings which comes out of the pool. It's before you delegate any of that money to team staff, trainers, chefs, etc. And so you're talking about Dangling anything in front of them, you're dangling a very significant amount. Like you're talking, even if the twenty five million dollar guy is like, "Oh, five hundred grand like isn't a lot out of my contract, right?" He can literally go buy a vacation house.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, and you don't have to look further than when the Pacers beat the Celtics. It looked like the fan base, let alone the the team, were going to like storm the floor. It felt like a sixteen seed beat a first seed. Yes. And so, I mean, the thing I care about, or the thing I like, the players care, so I care. Exactly. I mean that, that's, what, that's what we were talking about this entire time is like, you know, I like steaks And as long as they've accepted the stakes, then I'm on board, you know, and so I'm glad they did it. Uh, I'm with you, Maxim. I don't like the courts themselves. You know, they're a little mushroom psychedelic for me, but I like that the second you see them, you know, this is different. It, it signifies something, you know? And so, again, it makes you care. The only thing I don't like, all right? So I heard you, Sarah, and those stakes matter for the players. I wish they had stakes that mattered for the fans. So, like, the the NBA has obviously decided they can't give a competitive edge. They can't give a playoff spot. They can't give extra salary cap if you win it. And so if they'd done that, as fans, we really care now, right? Because it's giving our team an advantage.
0: Well, I mean, what are the stakes for the fans just like for the playoffs yeah, title
1: wise right shit talking the the what normally happens between fan bases is if i have a title in pocket i can go after the other fan bases right so what i would like if i'd have some kind of suggestion on how to change the in-season tournament is coming up with some kind of stakes for shit talking fans and i mean something dumb if um if a team wins it they should hand out like fake title belts to the fans who go to the like the next five games or a necklace, something cheap, but something that the fans can wear and then kind of participate in. It's, it's a silly little idea, but one I'd care. I mean, fuck man. If I went to a game and they handed me, you know, a necklace that said championship fan base, I would wear the shit out of that that year. And so, you know, they, I wish they had something like that.
0: And that's, I mean, I think my point was actually going against you, which I don't think you realized just now, but that <laughs> I don't like, I don't see how, if they win the in-season tournament championship, how the stakes there are different from the fans than if you win the title, other than, like, one being more important, right? So, yeah. like, like when fans are like, oh, what about us? Like, it needs to m- matter to us. And it's like, I mean, it's the same same thing as the other championship. Like, you get the bragging rights. That's what the fans get is, like... They don't get anything else. It's like maybe you get a T-shirt. So like maybe you're right. Maybe you get like a tchotchke of some sort. But yeah. other than that, like it is the bragging rights that you get.
1: You're definitely right. But just to sweep away the difference between the in-season tournament and the Larry uh, O'Brien Trophy, I mean, there's a big
0: difference. <laughs> you
1: know, by saying you know, well, outside of that, outside yeah. of that, they are the exact same thing. One has decades of of relevance and history and reasons. Right. Why we've I think that just right needs the time.
2: Dressers. Then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Well, and and I mean,
2: sort of to that point, right, you get these interesting storylines, like when we were, um, I guess, eliminated from contention against the Kings, um, there was a moment in the first half when we were smoking them by like 24 or something. I can't remember who it was, but somebody was like, listen, like, if the Kings can't pull this out, if not only do they lose this game, but they lose by more than 12, such that the Warriors advance, right? Like, then for the rest of time, there's going to be this narrative that, you know, the Warriors own the Kings and it's this like big brother, little brother relationship. So already you're sort of getting these things um, kind of surfacing. And I think it's true again in that Suns-Lakers game. I mean, it's KD versus LeBron. Um, that's bragging rights forever. But but I will say the inverse is also there, – there is the potential for this. Like a couple of years ago, I think, Sarah, when you were covering the Jazz – Maybe it was only two years ago. They like they were amazing to start the season, like mm-hmm. super exciting. You could have seen them, for example, winning the in season tournament, and then they ended up being dog shit, like last in the league, right? So it's it's sort of interesting. Like, oh, what team is young, ready to come out the gates early, right? Versus like the old vets that are saving it for the actual playoffs. Could it actually end up being kind of embarrassing in a sense if like the team that wins it all consistently can't make it into the playoffs? um at the end of the season.
0: I was just saying this on a podcast the other day, like exactly that. Like the there is a risk that years from now after the in-season tournament is something that we're used to that you know, you're able to shit talk to another fan base and be like, "Oh yeah, you're a really good in-season tournament team." <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely right. And I mean, I a couple of follow up. Follow up number one, Maxime. I thought we decided we would never speak of the yeah, Sacramento game again. I saw so, your <laughs> face that whole time. I yeah. was like,
2: I can't, I can't stop now. But I'm, I'm just adding. I had on my bad.
1: notes. I didn't like <laughs> exceptionally painful loss. I wasn't planning on revisiting in any way. Um The other thing I like about in season, then let's go Warriors is the shortened rotation. You know the the so. Teams change when they go into the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? They yeah. they generally speaking have an entirely different rotation. They the coach shortens it up. And you don't really get a chance to look at that until they make the playoffs. Well, this is a short glimpse in it. Early on, you know, we actually get the opportunity to see what the team would look like with a shortened rotation. And the coach gets a chance to see that too. So there's some real upsides. Um all right.
0: Wait, did we say what we don't like?
1: Oh shoot. Yeah. We have not yet.
0: The name. It, it is so stupid. The in-season turn, like like the name is like, hi, we're gonna tell you exactly what this is. Like it, just call it the NBA Cup because that's what you get when you win it. Because we've already got the play-in tournament and the in-season tournament. When you talk to players, they mix those up all the time because it's such a stupid name. It's horrible branding. Players are literally sitting on the bench wearing a shirt that says. NBA in season tournament.
1: <laughs> well, and history has shown that if you name your thing after what it actually is, there's never a good sign. If I go to a restaurant called Great Food, the yes! chances of that food being great, like not great. You know, <laughs> like you probably don't want to be there. It's not going to work out super well. So yeah, I mean, and I like NBA Cup. I mean, whatever it is, whatever they want to call it. I think that's an absolutely good idea.
0: You should not be describing what the thing is in the name. Like if if you have to describe it in the name, then we have a problem.
1: We forgot to tell you that this is now called the Warriors podcast. I don't know. I don't know if this is the right time to announce that name change, but here it is.
0: No, the see the equivalent of that would be like the name of this podcast is here's a podcast where we talk about Warriors.
1: Good. We're Actually, that's the title of this one. Sarah, Sarah joins Bram and Maxime to discuss the in-season tournament. It's long, but I mean, it's descriptive, so it, it gets us there. And the shirts are going to be epic. Yeah. I'm wearing one right now. You can't see the back of it, but it it's pretty long, but it's nice. It's pretty nice. All right. I feel brave enough to talk about the Warriors. That was fun enough. You know, I got to tell you my drunk story. So now we can actually get some business in line. And here, here's how I'll start it off. Okay. Um, we spoke to a bunch of different people before the season starts. And, you know, who is this team going to be? What can we look forward to? And the one thing that everybody told us, because the information they provided was all over the board. The one consistency was you got to wait, wait 20 games, because if you don't, you're not going to have a real sense. And now that we are 21 games in, you can see exactly why they said that. You know, the Warriors start the first eight games, six and two, and they look like world beaters. And then since they've gone four and nine, and it looks like everyone in the world can beat them. And so we've seen this entire thing play out. And to make it even more convoluted, there's been suspensions and injuries and all of these things that get thrown in. And so I'm in a weird place, Sarah. Um, if, you'd, if we'd talked after eight games, you know, I was light and happy and it looked like we were, we were right back on the dynastic track. Now it's harder to say that, okay? So let's keep this glass half full rubric because what I need is someone who knows the team, but also someone who's not locked into recency bias and just loyalty to, to talking about how great their starting five is. So from the outside looking in, Give me something you like and something you don't like about this Warriors roster.
0: Well, I think that my like and my don't like, or I guess like I, I'm, I'm going to try and give you a perspective of glass half full or glass half empty. Yep. And I'm basically going to argue against myself when I tell you each of these things. But it is a good way to look at it. Okay. Yep. So glass half full, I would not bet against Steph, Clay, and Dre until they prove to me that I should bet against them. Right? Like we do not have a historical reason to think that they're gonna be bad for very long. Yep. So that's glass half full. Is that like you still have the dynastic team that got you to this point until they prove that they're not good anymore, then like give them even more time.
1: Yep. Sure.
0: Now, glass half empty, it just might be over.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) that's not glass half empty that's breaking the glass on the floor (laughs) and then being like fuck your glass
0: yeah like i mean glass half empty is like these things come to an end
1: yeah yeah um even happy stories have have subtle endings um i will put those two halves together all right um glass half empty for me 20 games in I, i so i had been calling this the run it back tour you know and that's kind of what it felt like. They they decided we're going with our starting five. These are unbelievably good. History has shown us that. So let's just give them support and see what happens. Glass half empty. I'm not sure that's going to work. Um, we have now seen that there's some changes in this team, maybe even in their age or their capabilities. And so deciding, look, we're just going to keep doing the same thing. Maybe that is not going to be the approach this year. Glass half uh, full. They have other pieces. They don't have to go just in one direction. You know, if this is a puzzle, the way that they wanted to use these pieces before, maybe, you know, the the picture they were assembling up front, that might not be a title picture. But if you use those pieces in a different way, we may still have the talent to make a difference. And the, the next piece of that glass half full, it feels like Kerr might be realizing that. Last night, J.K. finally got an opportunity after he played not, zero minutes in the first half at all and and was seemingly um, going to be the victim to Kerr trying to just stick with the same old, same old, ultimately came in and, in fact, won the game for the Warriors. That's not a take from me. Uh, Maxime, if you've got that Steph quote, let's put it in here. You know, obviously wasn't in the rotation. Um, how big is that? What did he did. It's huge because that's what he's asked to do right now. And every everybody in our locker room you know, is challenged to stay engaged, you know, approach it the right way. It doesn't mean you have to be happy about it, I mean you have to uh, quote unquote accept it, but you can't let for him the challenge was not letting, you know, not playing in the first half and and being out of the rotation for a second changed when his opportunity or his preparation for when his opportunity came. And that's a difference, you know, in a, in a win for us tonight. If he didn't do what he did and stay, stay ready, um, show maturity with that, like we lose this game. So
0: that was, that was, that was huge. that's all you had to say about it.
1: So shortest version of what I'm saying. Um, and I'm always bad with numbers. So I'm going to steal some from an article our friend Connor wrote. The plus minus for our vaulted starting five not good. It's not looking super good for us. But the other lineups actually do. So I think there's a path forward. I just think it's going to be a different path than they thought they were taking uh, when training camp first started. Uh, Maxime, 20 games in. Give us your glass half full.
2: So, you know, maybe I'll I'll pick up the shattered pieces of Sarah's glass and <laughs> um, try to glue them back together a little bit, which is just to say – I, I, I'm I still not convinced one way or another whether Draymond or Clay are done, but I am 100% convinced that Steph is not. You know, he's like, if you're trying to put a puzzle together, it's like, it doesn't kind of matter what the puzzle looks like. If there's one piece that's super shiny, everybody's going to be excited about the puzzle anyways. I don't know that if that totally comes together, but I... I you can assemble. That sounds a like a person who
0: doesn't put together jigsaw puzzles very <gasps> yeah. well. Okay, listen. It's a
2: person. I'm trying my best here. I'm, I'm sleep deprived. Okay. It turns so out that like, I'm in. What is this
1: puzzle of? And Maxine's like, "Don't you worry about that. Look at this one shiny ass piece right here." Yeah.
0: Okay, keep going.
2: Which, frankly, might be what the Warriors organization is trying to do too. I don't yeah. entirely know because we're really struggling to define our identity. Some random a redditor or something. So it was just some offhand comment that I saw. It was like, the only thing that I that the Warriors can't do is sleepwalk through the rest of the season. If they want to do the what, you know, the Bram approach of like, oh, let's have the celebration tour of this, you know, um, five man lineup that's won multiple titles and is a, was a world beater, that's cool. Declare it, right? Maybe like trade some of these young guys for future assets and just like go for it. Make that decision. If you're not gonna make that decision, maybe another part of the glass half full here, Steve Kerr, after Kaminga's amazing performance, said it's finally time to start trying out some different lineups as we go forward. I wanted to give these guys enough time. He maybe also heard what um, what Bram and I heard, right? That we need to give him 20 games. All right, he gave him the 20 games. We're still not convinced, right? They didn't they didn't come into, into form yet. So it's time to start changing things up. So glass half full, Steve Kerr is at least paying lip service to the idea that it's time to start trying some new things. And so maybe instead of sleepwalking through it, maybe instead of, Trotting out this all-star lineup of days gone by, we actually are going to start integrating Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, Brandon Pajemski a little bit more into the lineup. Maybe that does mean there's going to be a trade before the February deadline for the first time in what feels like forever, at least since Steph hit his prime. We're not, Warriors fans aren't used to seeing some of their players get traded in the middle of the season, but it might be time to start gearing up for that possibility. And even though, you know, that might hurt, it's better to rip off the band-aid than let it fester and turn into whatever gross thing that becomes your skin or something. Let's rip the bandaid off. Let's go.
1: If I had a shiny puzzle piece, I'd be holding it up right now because it'd be an <laughs> incredible prop. Um, <laughs> instead, I'll follow up this way. Another glass half full. Draymond Green's having a great season. It's, it's getting lost because the Warriors record isn't what we thought it would be, but his three point shooting, mm-hmm. he's shooting more than 40%. I mean, he, he has actually showed up and played really well as has Steph. The other pieces, the other pieces we really, really uh, look, there's no reason to beat around the bush. The the other thing we did here, the other consistency, Sarah. In addition to the wait twenty games, is who's the most important piece to this team? Nobody said Steph. They knew what the fuck he would bring. Nobody said Draymond. They were pretty confident what he would bring. Everybody said either Wiggins or Clay. Everybody, and it, it, it's they're taking turns, not necessarily showing up. That's been our issue, you know. And so either one of those guys steps up, or one of these younger kids, you know, picks up the slack that those two are leaving, but. I'll use it as a transition. So our other new segment, although it's not super fancy in any way, it's called the Golden Questions. This, Sarah, is our mailbag, all right? They always deal with the Warriors, occasionally get personal. I only have two today, but they break into a bunch of sub-questions, which is why I limited to just the two. So the first question I will label as, how long is this window open for anyways? And what the person is gonna ask us is, How long do you think Steph can be an elite player? But let me add some color to it. The the Golden State Warriors losing isn't new. It's new to like brand new fans who came in around 2015. But like they were awful for a real long time. And so this fan base, we've gone through lack of success. Being at 500 or lack 500, that in itself doesn't cause any angst. You know, it sucks. I prefer them win, but it doesn't make you feel shitty. It doesn't, doesn't eat or hit your soul the way this season feels like it is. And the reason I think that's going down is because Steph's excellence is a dwindling asset. Having a top five player on your team and not being a top five team is like having a Michelin star chef and opening a McDonald's. Like you're just wasting the fucking talent for what? Why would we want this? So when we ask, how long is this window open for, anyways? You know, how much time do we have? How How is it another season? Is it two seasons? How long can Steph be the best player on a championship team? Because you don't get those, and the Warriors might never have another one. Um, so what do you think, Sarah? I mean, you, you watched him grow. You were there mm-hmm. when this thing started. You've since seen it explode. I mean, how long do you think we have?
0: I mean, I think that it really depends on if we're talking about it from the perspective of, like, The Warriors as a franchise ownership, right? Or if we're talking about it as a fan, because how long do we have? As long as he will stay. Ah. Like that, from an ownership standpoint, he's so marketable and you never have to worry about him asking out. He's going to make like, I don't know, he's like, make $56 million in the final year of his contract, something like that. And like after that, like you can definitely convince Steph to take less money if he's not playing as well to like stay on the team and continue to be a hall of famer that gets butts in seats and like continues to generate revenue for a team that just built a new arena and like still has a global market because of what Steph created for them. So like how long do you have for him to be around and continue to generate interest and revenue for the team? Literally as long as he will stay in the NBA. But how long do you have for Steph to actually be Steph? Th- then I go back to my previous comment. I have no evidence yet that he is yep. not. Right. Yep. And so I'm just looking at his contract now. He's 50, 50- he's got three years, including this year on his deal 51, 55, and 59 in the 25, 26 season. And so, like, I mean, two years after this year, like I I don't see that as a dwindling asset. I think that if you were to try and like Maxine was saying, like move some pieces and actually like rip the bandaid off, like let's see if we can actually do something here. A lot of people will probably sign up for a couple of years to play with Steph because he's still Steph Curry.
1: Yeah. Okay. And and put those together. Okay. Because the, the, the need, the want, and the next question is a trade-based question. Mm-hmm. Um, but the need to trade is this idea of, we only you know Steph's only going to be able to be a top five player for X amount of years, and right. so we better smash everything we have into those X amount of years. Otherwise, we're going to waste him. What is that number? Is it is it three years? Is it five years? Is I mean, how how long do you think we have, or we know? You know, we 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 better push all of our chips to the middle of the table now, because otherwise, it's a waste.
0: How old Steph is? He thirty five or thirty
1: six? I think he's thirty five.
0: Yeah. 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 A
1: couple ankle surgeries, 35. And, but, and, and, but he, he also, the way he plays, you know, he doesn't, although he's starting to, he's starting to draw more contact now and get into the rim a lot more frequently, but that's not what his game centers around. You know? So I have as a, as a pseudo note on my paper, four years, but it's pseudo because I'm not sure. I'm, it's like right in between. It feels like, a little bit further maybe than we can count on, but also not out of the question, you know, like he, he seems to be getting better, right. but fuck will be 39. You know, can he still be a top 10 player in the league at 39?
0: Yeah. I'd probably put it at three years after this one. So, yeah. cause, cause I'm also, again, thinking about it from a team perspective. So like he finishes out his contract, that's the guaranteed money that he is coming to him. Like, what is the team going to want to invest? Keeping in mind that they're investing it, into him as a top five player. Right. So like, are they going to want to give him big money on a one year deal? Right. Or longer. And I can't imagine that to a 38 year old, they're going to be like, let's sign up for three more years of this. right? So it'll probably be a one year deal after this one where they'd be like, let's see if we can still make it happen. And then after that, I would imagine that it was, it would be kind of the, the hall of fame contract just to keep him around.
1: That sounds right to me. Maxine, what do you think, man?
0: Yeah. But, I, I will say
2: I, I think that it's very possible that the way Steph ages doesn't yet have a comp, as in yeah. we've not seen that version before. So much of what makes Steph amazing is is everywhere that he can shoot from. The reason that that has been so hard to work against is with him and Clay constantly moving off ball up until recently. Um, you know, you got to chase him even when he's not got the ball on his hands. And that's probably going to um, slow down a little bit because he's going to slow down a little bit and that would become less of a concern. But if you surround him with other younger pieces, he'll still be able to shoot at an elite level until 40, 42, whatever, right? He's got that as long as he can. He's so smart that he's not going to probably be a minus defender, even if he sort of takes a step back. Um, you know, he's not going to be a great on-ball defender, but he never has been. If you surround him by the right pieces, it's not just a hall of fame contract where we're like, oh, let's come see Steph, like kind of Kobe at the end, like, oh, let him put up 60 in his last game. That's nice. I think actually Steph will continue to have enough gravity for three, four, five more years um, that if he gets surrounded by the types of Kamingas that can get to the rim, by maybe some other outside shooters, um, you know, Draymond is the perfect candidate to be a floor general on both ends. There is the potential for this to be, for him to maybe not be um, A1 on a title team, but A2, I think it's possible for four or five years.
1: I think if Steph wants it, he could play in the league for another 10 years. He wouldn't be Steph, you know, but like if he wants to slowly transition into Del Curry, if he just starts taking threes, you know, I mean, I I think he'll have a roster spot for as long as he wants it. Well,
0: I think Maxine makes a really good point that we haven't seen a comp for his aging out yet. Like in the same way that we haven't seen a comp for LeBron aging, like LeBron is insane right now. Like it is wild what it like we've never seen a guy his age do this but what we do know and we have seen throughout NBA history is that players who are aging in the NBA will change their games to adapt to their bodies changing yep and so and Steph is really smart he's in great shape he's healthy right like again we don't have evidence to suggest that like he won't adapt well
1: did you want to point out anything I said as a great point too, or you want to wait till no, the No, no, I'll just wait. I'll
0: wait and see if it It's because you're tired.
1: <laughs> it's just because you're too tired. It, which is fine. You know, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure when you listen back, but oh, great point, you're just be saying it not stop. So when that happens, text me so I know.
0: Oh, I actually do have a question though. I was, this is, I was looking for a pen to write down because like, as I was listening to you talk, I was like, oh, I should be taking notes. So I remember what to say. And I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't find a pen. And so I scratched a little note into my into the piece of paper next to
1: me. Do you know how happy it makes me that it's not just the paper that's a variable you take notes, it's also the writing implement. That like you will write on walls if you have a pen and you will write with your nail if you have paper.
0: Screw is what I used. Did that work?
1: I mean were you able to actually Okay. Yeah, That's I impressive. just
0: had a screw sitting next to me. Thank you. Okay, there um, you go.
1: Did you did you etch into the wood? Bram is having a great podcast. You must have, and you can <laughs> no, you can point weird. that out. So
0: so weird that didn't show up.
1: <laughs> it's only because you can't see it. It's only because you can't see it. Trade question. Trade question. All right. So. Former San Francisco Chronicle writer and current author for the Santa Rosa PD, C.W. Nevius, who I actually really enjoyed when he used to work for the Chronicle, reached out to the show and gave us an article. That article was called The Warriors Went All In This Year, and It's Not Working. And in it, he points this out. He points out that the Warriors are not only spending more money on their roster than any other team this year at 208, uh, 0.2 million, so more than the Nuggets, more than the Celtics, more than anyone. They are spending more money on this team than any team in the history of the NBA. So every team that has ever opted to go after a title spent less on their roster than this current team, which is a game under 500. My perception of Joe Lacob is he, he is fine with spending money, but he's not fine with spending money on a sub 500 team that that's just not what he's in the business for. And I he doesn't strike me as a guy who's super nostalgic or makes his decisions based on emotion. He would like to see return on investment, all right? Which leads to this question, because Sarah, you've worked around him. You were there when he came in and kind of changed a whole lot of the culture. So if we get to Christmas and this team is still flirting with a 500 record, if you had to bet something significant to you, do you think that this team will make a move?
0: I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a move at the deadline, but first year GM with a dynasty roster,
1: yeah.
0: I would expect it to be a really tiny little move. Yeah,
1: because he'd be afraid, <laughs> yes. uh, which, is, which is exactly what the hell I would do too, if I'm yeah. in my, and unless the owner is up my ass, you know, and then it's the other way, you know, that like you, I imagine when Bob Myers is at the tide of his game and if Lacob came in hot, like you have to make this trade. Uh, Myers had the kind of you know earned respect where he could tell him, well, maybe not, you know. Right. And Mike Dunleavy might not have. If if Lacob's coming in saying, I didn't spend two hundred eight million for a side fucking five hundred team, make a trade. Who knows if Mike D has the established relationship to be like, no, you know, I wouldn't. I'd be like, sure. Who do you want me to trade? You're like, no problem.
0: I mean, Mike Dunleavy has more experience sitting next to me in. On press row, <laughs> as a, as a scout, scout, than he does as a GM.
1: Factually accurate.
0: <laughs> no, not great.
1: <laughs> not great, um, but I hear. I mean,
0: like when when Danny Ainge is hired is hired to come to the Jazz and given a title like CEO. Yeah. Literally, he was given that title. Like, then you're not if you're the owner which is exactly what happened you're like yeah you know what what do you see what can we do what can we do better and Danny Ange was like blow this shit up Yeah, yep. and you don't argue it and you believe that it's the right move right because he's been in, in the quote unquote game for 45 years right
1: and you Mike, get him the agency to do it. By, by calling him the CEO, you've already told yes. him, hey, you know, this is your call. You do what the hell you need to do.
0: If you're Joe Lacob and you hire Mike Dunleavy Jr., I don't even think that you necessarily ask him, what do you think we should do? I think it's like more decision by committee. And so like, there's probably a lot of irons in the fire that are going to be making this decision. And I bet that it's not like a very reactionary decision at all.
1: No, that makes sense. And and the other iron that's in that fire, there's another person whose last name is Lacob, right? His son yeah. Is, yeah. is in that front office too. And who knows how that ultimately plays out. Um, well, I'm going to use this as a springboard. So I've got two possible trades, trade machine things, neither of which I think is going to happen, but fake trades are fun. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to give you guys the trades and then three follow-ups. Would the Warriors do it? Would the other team do it? Would you do it if it was up to you? And so there's two floundering teams whose roster is always used for trades we've got toronto we've got chicago
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't have a huge interest in levine or vucevic so both of these deal with toronto's uh, roster mm-hmm. and when you go to toronto it's og and it's siakam so that's mm-hmm. what i'm focused on all right so the first trade i will call the good wigs trade the warriors give up andrew wiggins jonathan kaminga Podzimski, who's who's right. um, actually had a, a far hotter start than any of his thought. I don't and believe in him, by the way. Two-way guy. I'm, I'm a little skeptical. Two-way guy, Usman Garuba, who I had not heard of until I started messing around with the trade machine, and they get back Siakam. I'm not including a first-rounder, but to make it a little bit more um, palatable for the Raptors, let's include a second-rounder, too. So the real people, Wiggs, JK, second-rounder, they get back Siakam.
0: Right. So I'm. I mean- Immediately, I'm worried about giving up Kaminga. Mm-hmm. I yep. honestly, I'm not that worried about giving up Andrew Wiggins. And so uh, I wonder if you can get around that by putting in someone else. Um,
1: Moody's contract is similar. So, if with as, cur- as that's structured, if you were Mike Dunleavy, yeah. Um, It sounds like you would say no. From the Warriors' perspective, you're not interested in making that trade.
0: Yeah, I don't want to give up Kaminga to get Siakam because he's got to be like 30 or, yeah. or close to it. So, yeah, I would say no to that one.
2: Maxime? I would as well. I think he is shooting his career three-point percentage, Siakam's, is right. 32%. This season he's shooting 20%. That's abysmally bad. And I'm yeah. not saying that Kaminga has, has an amazing... Three point percentage. And I do think at the end of the day, that's sort of, that's what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about trading sort of positionally equivalent. Um, I don't think that Siakam has quite the upside on this team. The, I mean, he's, he's a fantastic player, obviously, uh, but I'm, I wouldn't
0: do it. Yeah. And he's doing 20% on like the same number of attempts too. So like, it's not like his game has changed. Mm.
1: Yeah. I, I don't even know if the Raptors would do it either. I think that we've kind of capped JK's value around the league because we haven't been playing him at all, right. you know, and I don't, I'm not sure if we've illustrated enough or they'd give up Siakam, which leads to this next trade. All right, I'm going to call this one the, if we have to trade a family member, fuck it, let's go big. Okay, so here's the trade. The Warriors give up. Klay Thompson, Jonathan Kamunga, Moses Moody, a first rounder next year, and a pick swap in 2025, they get back Siakam and OG. What do you guys think? So again, I think, for those I think if the
0: Raptors are, if they if they're able to extend him, like clay, uh, clay, then yes, nah. I think, I think that's good on both sides.
1: You do it. How about yeah. you Maxine? That's a huge trade. We are giving, I mean, that's really, that's a, we're giving up both on history and kind of the future, you know, all of our first rounders, at least a couple of them. And then JK and Moody, but we're getting back a, you know, our starting five is suddenly airtight and remarkably good with both OG and Siakam.
2: Uh, I like OG. I think Mm -hmm. he's young. I think, I mean, I, I, I know he's young. He's 25 years old. Um, but I think he, he's a lot more of an appealing piece to me, especially if you said we're maintaining Wiggins in this trade scenario, right?
1: Yeah, it's Clay yeah. instead of Wiggins.
2: Yeah, so I mean, you know, we're hoping that Wiggins kind of bounces back. I think that's more likely, frankly, as I've said before, than than Clay uh, bouncing back this season. The thing is, this is one of those things that's sort of like, ironically, that we're talking about the Raptors here. It's like Kawhi um, going on that one-season deal to the Raptors and winning them a title. Ain't nobody in Toronto complaining about that move. But right. if that right, but if they traded away Damar um and then not won a title, I think a lot of people would be pretty disappointed, pretty pissed. Messiah might not be there anymore. Right. So it is all gonna be a lot of in retrospect, how did this actually go? But I'm in support of a move like this. I'm in support of this move specifically, um, because it's a win now move. It's saying, look, Steph is still in his prime, like we gotta go for it. We got this pieces for this two timeline approach. But like really, if we if we if we can say, hey, we got one more title in the next five, 10 years. Um, I think anybody would take it no matter when it comes, and it's most likely to come with Steph still helming this team.
0: Yeah, I think the difference for the Raptors would be that like, they were able to maintain a roster that even when they got Kawhi in, he's the kind of player where you're like, he can do it. He could bring us a title, right? Right. And I don't think that getting Clay after you give up OG and Pascal would be like, oh, this will do it. Yeah. for one year. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that there has to be some sort of extension guarantee.
1: Oh yeah. Or, or unless Toronto has decided, look, blow it up. You right. Know, what we want is a clean slate. We're getting rid of all these contracts, you know, and Clay's comes off the books and we've got some young, we got some youth now, JK and Moody. And right. let's see, you know, the, the other downside is I'm not sure they want young wings with Scotty Barnes playing the way that, um, he's right. playing there. And so, you know, they, he might, there might be some difficulties with those rasters. Um, All right, our last topic and the one I've secretly been looking forward to the most. So Sarah, this is our third new topic we haven't done with your new segment, but it's one I feel like is just fucking built for you. It's called judgment theater, all right? So what we do is we talk about a scenario. This one, in fact, did happen to me. And then instead of telling you how I handled it or any of you guys would handle it, we guess how that person would have handled it. We judge their reactions, all right? So here's what happened. Um, we bought some outdoor furniture we needed to have delivered. And so I had to wait at the house and the people come and they go out. And what we got was an outdoor chair and the people come up and they say, you know, they they knock on the door I let them in and they say, we're here to deliver both your chair and your umbrella. I don't say anything. Okay, fine. We go into the back and it becomes clear after five or six minutes of walking towards the back that they have made a mistake that their, their bosses or whatever have told them, yeah, you got to deliver this chair. And, they're getting ready to give me a brand new umbrella. That's like expensive. Like it's right. one of those nice ass umbrellas that extends over and, you know, it looks super nice. All right. So that was the scenario. They, they, out they are. They're setting this shit up in my backyard. What did I do? Did I say anything? Did I tell them? Nope. We didn't order that. Did I just let them set it up? What do you think? Give me your judgment. Um, and go ahead, Sarah. What do you think? How do you think I handled it?
0: Just let them set it up. That's on them. Give me that free umbrella that you just messed up with. Bye.
3: <laughs> Next thing.
0: Hold on. So is this
2: like mom and pop Oakland small business or is this like the, you know, Home Depot's in the world?
1: No, yeah. Tierra Outdoor. So oh. like, no, kind of bigger ah. and like unnecessarily expensive, kind of a pain in the ass.
2: Yeah. Right. So, so I mean like they probably have insurance, you know, mm. this is probably something that's already built into their budget overall. I'm, I'm not saying that like that you're a saint necessarily, but you're a practical person. You're aware of some of the, you know, th- the fact that this is not something that's going to come back to bite you, that it's very easy for you to say, even if they come knocking on your door and say, hey, like what happened here? Why you have this umbrella? You can sort of plead ignorance. Um, so I think you're looking at this and you're saying it's probably not too much that's going to come back to bite me in terms of anything sort of monetary, but also even in terms of a, a hit on my time. And so you're going for it. You're just saying... Mom's the word. I'm going to let them install this. I am so
1: selfish. Of course I let them install it. <laughs> of course I let them install it. That's the talking? right move. Of course we let them install it. Is. The problem was, here's how selfish I am. The only concern I had was like, we don't really have space for the umbrella back there. We already have a shitty other umbrella. And so like, I was like, as they were doing it, I kept peering outside my window because I can look down and I was like, man, I, it's great that we're getting this umbrella, but I'm not sure where it's going to fit. I had some sprinkles of, will the, will the employees get fucked over? You know, like if they do this, like is it going to come out of of their check or anything like that? The bottom line was halfway through, they realized their mistake, um, <sighs> oh. and ultimately brought the umbrella back in. So that's what that's what only played out. Let's go to Sarah. I'll go to both of you. Given your answers, I already know. So we know for sure, Sarah agrees with me yes. it's not my job to do your job correct if they came in to drop off new shit a hundred percent she would let them fucking drop it off if they said this entire trek was for you i think sarah would be smart enough to have kind of the bored indifference of like of course it is like, yeah, yeah that's fine put this wherever you need to you know like i don't really have time to watch you but that's uh, totally fine
0: and some people would call that stealing and i'd be like okay <laughs> <laughs> Thank- <laughs> sure <laughs> I'm uh, in. In addition to being pro fun, I'm also pro thievery. So,
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it, it took us most of the podcast, but we reached the most entertaining part. There it is. Listen, That's-
0: we've all been at the grocery store, right? And like sure. you, you go through and you're scanning everything, but like you left something in the grocery cart, right? And you get out to the car and you're like, oh, "This fucking rules! I did <laughs> not pay for that lettuce today. Fuck you, grocery store!" Like. Yeah, I don't care. If you if you didn't notice the mistake when it was happening, then it's on you.
1: So what's your guess for Maxime? So I mean, he is to, to give you like some background, uh Maxime and this is not a hyperbolic example, it's a real one. Maxime has cleaned up dog shit that wasn't his on the street. Like he is I mean,
0: I've done that too, but
1: what yeah. <laughs> okay, now you're a very complicated person yeah, very I, complicated yeah, yeah i'm anymore.
0: complicated you
1: never would have guessed that in any way i am not i'm like you can you can if there's a shitty thing to do that's what i'm going to do but it i mean i also people.
0: very specifically yell at people when i see them leaving dog poop oh i'm a, like i'm that person i'll lean out of a car window and be like what's wrong with you pick up your dog's poop
1: Thank God we don't live close to one another, but I, I digress looking at Maxine. What's your guess? Sorry. Right. So they, they're, that's what they're doing. They're coming to give him a free umbrella. What's he do?
0: I think that Maxine probably like, he doesn't go over all the implications. Is it right? Blah, blah, blah In his head when they walk in and they're like, we're here with your channel umbrella. He goes, I didn't order an umbrella.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just happy your answer wasn't. I bet you he gives them a bunch of good points about basketball, and <laughs> then tells them yeah. Yeah. about the umbrella. Maxine, what's the answer? Um, I so based on what you told me, guessing on me, it sounds like you would allow it to happen. But I, I, knowing what I know before you started that response, I, I'm with Sarah. I don't think it even progresses to them being in your backyard. Uh, I think before they get to the truck, the second they've announced we're here to deliver. I think it's a logistical thing for you. I think you hear, oh no, no, that's wrong. And he was like, no, this is what I ordered. And it doesn't, it doesn't progress past that, that first 30 second interaction and mistake.
2: This might be a situation where, where you guys know me better than I know myself, because I do think there is, <laughs> there's a human angle to this, right? Where it, it's, it depends on, on who comes out of the truck and how they engage with me up front. And it also depends on how sleep deprived I am. Like I might not have, I might not even registered it. You know, it might be a <laughs> yeah. week later and I notice there was an umbrella outside. And I say to Natalie, when did that umbrella show up? Cause I don't know, (laughs) man, like this is crazy, but I, I do, I do care about the people. And I I think to your point, Bram, I would be worried about them, you know, having something happen to their job. So if they're nice to me, if they're clear that they're putting in the extra mile or whatever, I might sort of mention something, but if they're dicks about it, then no harm, no foul one way or another, they need to learn their lesson.
1: To continue a full transparency. I'm such a bad person. So like, you know, they set it up. I go back inside. I start thinking that guilt, like, ah, oh, is this going to come out of their pocket? And I'm, I'm in the middle of it. And then when they come in and say, Oh, we realize it's not your umbrella. I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm, like nah! yeah. <laughs> I really wanted that umbrella. It looked how nice. You know, So yeah, it, it is what it is. To No one's surprised. Um, Sarah, we missed you. Uh, phenomenal having you back. I know I'm not the only one feeling that way. If there are people out there who need way more Sarah Todd in their life, where do they go?
0: No, I am already going to continue the segment. <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, ju- what's this called? Golden Judgment? What's the what's the segment Judgment called?
1: Theater. Judgment Theater.
0: Judgment Theater. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't care what time you wanted to end this. Anyways, um, I I'm in Dallas last night. Okay. I flew in really late the night before. I got in at like 1 a.m., get to my hotel. And when I walk in, there's like master switch in the hotel that turns on like the big light next to the couch. But then like in the little bedroom area of the hotel room, there's a a light that's against the wall, attached to the wall in between uh, two queen beds. And I'm like so tired that I'm just like, okay, regular light off, little light on. I'm getting into bed immediately, but the light on the wall doesn't work. So there's no light like near the bed. I have to like either go turn on the bathroom light and then turn it off and like walk in the dark because I closed the blackout curtains. So like, I'm like, okay, this is small, but like, (laughs) but I want a light next to the bed. So I go downstairs and I'm like, hey, I just walked in. Can I get switched to a different room? Because like the light doesn't work. And the guy's like, I literally don't have another room. And so I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a problem for me. And I'm really tired and I don't want to be an asshole. And so I'm like, fine. And so I just go back upstairs. What do you think I do?
1: After you went upstairs? Yeah. Or the next day as far as payment's concerned?
0: Uh, then when I went upstairs,
1: did something super aggressive to create a light, but like, I mean, like maybe stopped off in like some common area, you know, like, like the way that like dorms used to have common areas that you could go into like take furniture and bring it into your actual dorm room. I think you did that with a light in the hotel version. You found their like banquet room or something found a excess lamp and then just brought that motherfucker in there uh, and set it up and really like, you no, know, it was what it was. You guys should have already had this set up. So whatever, whatever measures I had to take to get illumination, I will take.
0: Now, Maxime, before you give an answer, I'll give you a little extra piece of the story. Uh-huh. So what I go, I, I well, go I back. Up, no, it's fine. I go back up and I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? And so uh i start trying to see like okay the lights aren't working do the outlets that are on the same wall work and so i'm trying to find the problem because i'm a handy person okay. and so i'm then what i realize is that all of the outlets on that wall aren't working so this is like an electrical issue there's some sort of breaker that's like you know shot and so i'm like looking around to find other outlets and they're across the room
2: okay So then I think you go outside, you notice that there's like a, you know, a cart that has an extension cable and you say, great. You go back down to the lobby, you reach across the desk and you unplug their lamp. And then you just take it back upstairs with you, plug it in using the extension cord and then never turn it on and go to sleep.
1: What hotel has extension table carts out in the janitor
0: (laughs) carts? All right. I
1: don't know if that happens. Okay. What happened? What'd you do?
0: Uh, wow, you guys are very close <laughs> 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 because I went back up and I'm like, all right, what lamps are in this room that I can use elsewhere? And the only lamp that's in the room has a plug in that's like not normal. And so I was like, OK, well, I can't use this thing. But there is. On the desk that's in the hotel room, there's sort of an extension cord where like it goes from the back of the desk and comes up onto the desk and it has like four outlets on it. And I'm like, all right, oh. well, I can use I can use this, except it won't come off the back of the desk. And I'm like, oh, it's attached. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. I've got scissors in my, uh, no. in my suitcase. And so I cut the clip that's attaching it to the <laughs> desk. Get it walk out into the hallway, take the lamp out of the elevator area and take it into my room and string it along the room next to the bed. And then when I left this morning, <laughs> I left a note.
1: <laughs> <They> say, <laughs> on- Fuck you.
0: I left a note and <laughs> like it had arrows on it. And I was like, this light fixture arrow here does not work. All of the outlets on this wall and this wall do not work. I will not be paying for the extension court clip.
2: <laughs> I was so close.
1: Yeah. Also, we should make it clear that that note wasn't written in pen. It was just scratched into yeah. some paper with a, <laughs> yeah. with a screw. Yeah. And Maxime, I like the idea that she actually hallucinated 90% of this. And she was just in the writer's <laughs> room in Dallas <laughs> yeah. and she was going up to random people like, Why is there no lights next <laughs> yeah. to my bed? They're like, Sarah, what? Like, no, what are you talking about, dude? You're in fucking.
0: Airlines Unlike, like this is Could a- I have just used the flashlight on my phone and gotten into bed? Yeah, I could have, but instead I took an hour to create a lighting situation where I could just flip it on and off while I was laying in bed.
1: Oh, I'll have you know, the first thing I considered when you asked me the open-ended question was, "Well, she has a light on her phone, like she definitely." Owns-, and I threw that option out immediately. <laughs> just <laughs> immediately, and I also knew that you were not going to pay for at least some of the things. I didn't think that you would be cutting any extension cords, but. Nicely played by you for sure. If you want to come and celebrate your actions underneath my free umbrella, any I mean, it's wide open. You Great. can come on
0: any time. Great. Okay. Now you can end the show. <laughs>
1: okay. There you go. Where can we get more Sarah Todd in our lives?
0: If you want to hear stories like that, you can follow me on all the socials at NBA Sarah. Uh, you can read all my stuff at Deseret.com, D E S E R E T.com, and listen to my podcast, Unsalvageable.
1: I saw that you guys are doing a live show to help holiday donations. I thought that was awesome. Um, I had a whole segment I was going to ask you about, but I'll keep that in pocket. We'll have you again on soon. Uh, for us, you know where we're at. Uh, you want us to get as an email, tell us we did a good job, bad job. Any job, send it to
2: huddle at warriorshuddle.com.
1: We're also on social media. Search Warriors Huddle. You'll find us there. That in mind. Go Warriors. Hopefully. See you real soon.
0: easier said, done.
3: Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible.